want to thank everybody who um, was either a volunteer or came to the barbecue. On Monday, we had a great, tremendous turnout. And I mean, there were people everywhere in the field and everywhere in the parking lot. Um, there were a lot of visitors, a lot of people that we got to meet for the first time um, and, and just to talk to. One of our intentions is let them realize that people at church are just normal people. Um, I love that bumper sticker that says uh, Christians aren't perfect, just forgiven. The only big difference between us and anyone else out there is that we've been forgiven by the blood of Jesus Christ, and we want that same for them. Um, but it was a tremendous time. I think the teenagers wind up leaving about 10 o'clock. We had the fire pit going. They were still playing volleyball in the dark. I don't know how that all worked out, but they were. Um, but I do want to thank everyone who was here early and who stayed late and everybody in between who came, brought stuff. There was a ton of extra food. Um, the people grilling, a couple different people jumping on there, but the main uh, grillers in the, in the middle of the day, appreciate that, and setting up everything. I mean, it went really, really smooth, and it was great for us to give a view of life to the neighborhood, because they would be able to hear and see, got to talk to the neighbor a while, and he saw what was going on. He was kind of excited, even though he lives right there, and I don't think he comes to the church much, but um, we're thankful for all of that, so thank you for that. Thank you also, and David may have mentioned this, I, I wasn't here when he was doing the announcements, but thank you for everybody that um, was a part of Stephanie's baby shower yesterday and um, did a tremendous job from what I heard, and so thank you so much for being part of all of that. We're going to dismiss the boys and girls to their junior church and boys class um, now. You guys can be dismissed if you haven't already left. And we finished our series in Hebrews, and so today we're on something different. So if you have your Bible, I want to invite you to open up to Revelation chapter 20. It's probably the second easiest book in the Bible to find. Uh, maybe it's the easiest. I would think Genesis might be easier since it's the beginning, but Revelation is the end. And so that should be relatively easy, unless you have one of those Bibles that have like lexicons and dictionaries and commentary notes in the back. And then for some reason, I've had Bibles so thick that Revelation was like in the middle. And uh, that was sometimes difficult to find. But Revelation chapter number 20 is where we'll be today. And so what, as we look at this passage in just a little while, I'm going to pray, but I, I want it to be to stir you up. I don't know where you are in your walk with God, but we want to be stirred up for the things of God in this earth. Um, everything is not just in here. Everything is not just here, but it's everywhere. And we know this is the end of the story. We know this is what God says will happen. There's no other way for it to happen than what God says will happen here. But we want to be stirred up about that because this is what's going to happen. Now you might be stirred up differently in here and you might say, wait a second, wait a second, that's, that's me today. And so we, we're glad you're here. If this is what we're, where, where you're at today, and uh, we want you to be drawn to Christ. You say, I don't know what you're talking about yet. Don't worry. I'm just saying that. We'll pray, and then we'll get into it. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your grace. And Lord, we pray now for your power to be evident. We pray for your presence to be known. And Lord, I know we pray that every week, Lord, but we mean it. I mean it, Father. We, we cannot do this or understand the Scriptures in our own natural abilities. We need you. We need your Holy Spirit to be governing our minds and our hearts to give us understanding of the holy word of god and lord we pray that you would lay charge in our hearts all that needs to be seen lord if there are people here who are not sure where their eternal destination is lord i pray that today would be the day of their salvation as they would cry out unto you and father for those that already know where their eternal destination is I pray, Lord, you'd stir our hearts up to go out into this world, to reach people, to have a burden for souls, to want to see people saved, and to be urgent about the gospel message. Father, we know we fail you all the time. And so, Father, we pray that you would just continually be merciful to us as we seek to live out the gospel in our daily life, but help us to be stirred up today by the Spirit of God and the Word of God. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't know how they do it anymore, but I remember when I was in school, they would, when one of the most nerve-wracking days for an athlete was the day after tryouts. Now, maybe they do this electronically now. Maybe they send out a text. Maybe they send out an email. But when I was in high school, in, in junior high, the day after tryouts or the two days after tryouts or whatever it was, near the gym or the locker room, there would be a list of people who made the team. And so you kind of had to do the process of elimination. If you weren't on that list, you did not make the team. And, and you would, um, I remember going up to that list and, and, and looking through it and seeing the other people look through it. It was, it was 
it was like both a bittersweet rejoicing type of day because if your name was on there, it was an exciting day, but you didn't want to be too excited because certainly there was other people online right there trying to look because everyone would go there as soon as we get off the bus. We'd all go there and there were people not on the team. And you'd feel bad for them and you wouldn't want to like in your face or overly rejoice. You also knew because you were at tryouts, some of the people you knew weren't going to be there and yet they were going to check anyway. And then there was like those fringe people who would come and they would look at the list and they would look at the list and they would look at the list and they were, they were hoping that after looking at it a couple of times that their name would be manifested or appear and just boom, it would be there, but it wasn't. And, and that is, again, if their name was on the list, they were on the team. And if their name was not on the list, they were not on the team. And, and it was a bad thing. They made the cut or, or they didn't make the cut. Revelation 20 talks about a list, if you will, that is far more consequential, far more important, far more serious than any varsity list of any football team, any baseball team, any lacrosse team, any soccer team, any basketball team. And the Bible says that if you are on this list, that means you're on your way to heaven, you'll be in heaven. If your name is not on this list, then you shall have no part in heaven. That's a serious thing. I mean, if you didn't make a team, I mean, probably if you're a sports fan, you've read or heard about Michael Jordan not making one of his basketball teams, and now he's one of the best basketball players of all time, if not the greatest basketball player of all time. But he had another shot. When we die and we face God, this list, this book of names will be there and there is no other shot there is no second chance there is no next year you can get them and so the most serious list of names ever written concerning us is what we're going to talk about today now if i were new to church or if i was relatively new to church the first question that i would ask myself right now is how do I get my name on the list? Or how do I know for sure my name is on the list? That would be the first thing that I'd be asking if I were you right now. Well, if you have your Bible, Revelation chapter 20, look at verse number 15. I just want to read the severity of what the Bible says. Don't take my words for it. Don't take my um, interpretation of it. Take what the Word of God says. Bible says in Revelation chapter 20, verse number 15, and whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Read that again. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. That means every single person whose name is not written in this particular book was cast into the lake of fire and we find that hell is cast into the lake of fire. And so what you might know of hell, that too is cast in the lake of fire. This is seemingly worse. And so we're going to read through these verses in just a minute, but I want to remind you, or I want to bring you up to speed of what the context is. There's coming a day when the dead will stand before God, and this book is opened, and it will be seen whether or not the people that stand before this book, if their name is written down in this book. And I'd imagine there'd be many people who will go down, up and down the list. Now, God already knows who's there, but He's showing forth this book of life. And there's going to be people that are going up and down, up and down, up and down. And, and I don't know if it'll be like this, but I, I can imagine God being, okay, I'm shutting it now. And people say, no, no, give me another chance. I've got to find my name. Just in case they missed it. And as God shuts the book for the final time, because the Bible says here, whosoever's name's not written is cast in the lake of fires. I can imagine the terror and the screams, the begging to be checked again, begging for another chance, begging for, no, no, one more opportunity. And I want to promise you something. This is not fear-mongering today. This is Bible preaching. This is what we're up against. This is why it matters this is why it matters how we live. This is why getting the Gospel out matters. This is why not watering down the Gospel matters. 
I said this a million times in preaching, that Christians sometimes lose their spot in the world in a cultural war. That we're so desperate to win the cultural war. And if you win the cultural war, it doesn't get anyone to heaven. The Gospel does. Be more urgent about this as you live life than anything else. Why? Because I don't want a single person to end up in hell. I don't want to end up in hell. I don't want anyone I know to end up in hell. I don't want anyone out there who I don't know to end up in hell. And there's going to be a lot of people with a lot of excuses. I'm a good person. I'm a generous person. I'm a sincere person. I meant well. Please check again just one more time. But if their name is not written in the book of life, sincerity is not going to matter. Genuineness is not going to matter. Effort is not going to matter. Good works don't matter. I went to church does not matter. And they can check the pages of that book a thousand times, and if it's not there, it won't appear, and they will not see it. So let me ask you something this morning. On that day when the book is opened, will your name be found in that book? Or will you be like the countless others whose names are not written down? Will you be like the many searching for the name but not being able to find it? Is your name written down in the book of life? Now I want to tell you this. If you've been born again, the Bible says that once we're born again, we are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. My name is written down. Not because I'm a good person. Not because I'm a pastor. Certainly not. Not because I try really hard. My name does not deserve to be in that book. But it's in that book because there was a day in my life where Jesus Christ saved me, and when He saved me, the Holy Spirit sealed my name in that book. Ephesians 1 tells us that. Sealed unto the day of redemption. And so when I get there, and the book of life, if called into question with my life, it's not going to be a question of whether it's written there. I know it's there because Christ, the Holy Spirit, put it there. But my burden and my urgency and my desperation is for those who may not know whether it's there or those we know for sure their name is not there. And so Christians, we've got to be stirred up a little bit about this. Because it matters. Now I want to bring you back a couple of verses to see the context of this. Look at Revelation chapter 20, verse 11 now. We're going to read verse 11. We'll finish at verse 15. This is what some people call the final judgment. This is the great white throne judgment. This is the last judgment that God has. This is after earth has already expired. Time has already expired. This is on the precipice of eternity. And, and forever is about to happen for everyone. So this is it. And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books, according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Again, after all time is done, when all the events on earth have come and gone, the day of reckoning begins and we find a throne and it's described as a great white throne. And the judge, who's Jesus Christ, who sits on that throne, is so feared and so reverenced that all of earth and heaven flee. There could be found no place for them in His presence. And then we have this picture of all the dead standing before God when the books are open. And then the Bible says, so there's books, multiple ones. And then the Bible says, there's another book which is opened, which is the book of life. And it's that book that we're talking about. Now some have speculated what books are there. And I don't know for sure other than there are multiple ones and there's the book of life. 
What I could speculate, possibly, one, being a book of all of your wrong deeds, all of your sins, all of your iniquities. Because the Bible does say they will be judged according to their works. Now, the Bible doesn't say that it will be that, but it's very possible that it is. Another book that's very possible is the Word of God. It would make sense to me to have a list of all our wrongs who are not saved, the Bible to judge it, and then the book of life to say, not in it. Now, I don't know any of those other books, but I do know this, the great white throne judgment where Christ sits on it and will judge the dead, small and great. The most important book that we're talking about today by name is the book of life. And the Bible seems to tell us that there will be a long line of people standing before God And this book is opened, and great men, and rich men, and insignificant men, and poor men, and famous athletes, and presidents, and rock stars, and authors, and great doctors, and PhDs, and philosophers, and inventors, and warriors, and generals, and heroes. A long line of people, small and great, stand before. And every one of them will be judged. And every one of them will find that their name is not written in the book of life. It seems to me, and this is what I believe, I don't believe this is a judgment for all of the dead because the saved have already had their resurrections and multiple resurrections and they're in heaven, the marriage supper of the Lamb and all these other things. It seems that everyone who stands at this judgment is on their way to hell And this is the final exclamation point to show them why. Here's why you're going to hell. Lest there be somebody in hell who says, I don't deserve this. No, no. Before you ever got to the lake of fire, you stood before God and you were judged according to your works and you will stand and give an account and God will show you why. Through all of the sins and the no forgiveness given Because you've never cried out for Christ to save you. And the books will be shut, and whoever's name is not written in there will be cast into the lake of fire. And I'd imagine as these people are standing and quivering, as they're waiting for their name to be called, and as they wait and their name is called, many of them, many of them will be caught off guard. Many will be shocked by the outcome. Many are in fear for their existence and many will be surprised. This morning I want to give you four reasons many are going to be surprised and shocked when this judgment comes. Now I'm telling you, and I don't, I don't know, let me, let me explain something. I don't have <clears throat> a radar to know who's saved and who's not. I don't assume who is and who isn't. Uh, You tell me you're saved, and I go with that. I don't know one way or the other. So I'm not assuming you are, and I'm not assuming you aren't. I'm just preaching what the Word of God is. The Holy Spirit, He knows. And He will speak to your heart. Now, if you're already saved, be stirred up and say, man, there is an urgency now. And if you're not, there's an even greater urgency to say, how do I get my name written therein? Lest you end up in this place and feel utterly shocked and surprised because you're there. So let me give you four reasons why many will be shocked and surprised when this judgment comes. Number one, many are shocked that they are there in the first place. Many are shocked that they're in the first place. The Bible says that the dead, small and great, stand before God. Which tells us, yes, there will be a lot of really bad people there and and really insignificant people and and really made no difference in the world people there, if you will. But there also will be a lot of great people. And many of these great people, these quote-unquote good people, these heroic people, these history-making people, Many of them will be shocked that they're even there in the first place. Why am I here? Now I understand why the murderer is here, but why am I here? I understand why this criminal is here and that criminal is here, but why am I here? 
And in their mind, they are counting on their works or their religion or their heroic deeds or their sincerity to good people or whatever it is, they're shocked that they're there. Maybe many are shocked because they didn't consider their sin was all that bad. One of the pandemics of the world is the idea that I'm a good person. If we were to sincerely poll people around the world, in our country in particular, and ask them, do you just think you deserve to go to hell? There's a good chance that many of them would say no. If I were to walk around the towns and say, are you a good person? Many of them would say, well, yeah. And so I would assume that many who are standing there are kind of confused. Why, why am I here? I was a good person. I don't deserve to be here. You know what the Bible says, though, about good people? They don't exist. Now that might be a shock in and of itself for you. The Bible says in Romans 3.10, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. The Bible says in Romans 3.12, they are all gone out of the way, they are all together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. The reality is, and if you've been at this church or a gospel preaching church, you've heard this, you and I are sinners. You and I deserve to go to hell. We do not deserve to go to heaven. And it doesn't matter how you feel about it. It doesn't matter how good you try to compensate for it. We deserve to go to hell. And if it makes you feel any better, I'm included in that. I deserve it as well. And it doesn't take a great sin like murder or, 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 or armed robbery or something worse to make you guilty of hell. We were all born rotten sinners. And even if the worst thing you ever did was tell a lie, you would still deserve to go to hell. The Bible tells us all liars shall have their part in the lake of fire. Look at Revelation 28, 1-8, 21-8. But the fearful and the unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and, and, and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. There are going to be on this line many great people, many good dads who were good family men and moms who sacrificed for their kids. You're going to find many honest, hard-working men and women. You're going to find many religious people. You're going to find many people who attended church, taught Sunday school, people who may be pastors and priests and missionaries. And on this line, there will be a whole lot who are shocked that they're there because they are trusting in their good works or their religion or their devotion or their, their perceived God to get them into heaven. And yet we're reminded in Isaiah 64, 6, but we are all as an unclean thing. All our righteousness are as filthy rags. And we all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, have taken us away. See, those who thought their sin wasn't that bad will soon find their name is missing. Those who thought their good works or their morals and sincerity and devotion was enough will soon find their name missing. And friend, I want to ask you again, are you going to heaven? Is your name written in the book of life? See, if I was sitting here and I was you and I did not know, I'd begin contemplating, am I a sinner? And it wouldn't take me long to conclude. And I can only speak for myself, but I would conclude really quick, yes. And after hearing these verses, I would begin to realize my good efforts and my good works are not going to be able to get me into heaven. And I would be wanting to run to Christ. Run to however it is I need to get saved. Run to however I get my name in this book. I need to do that. I don't want to one day wake up and suddenly be here. Because I didn't want to think about it. La, 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 la. There's going to be many people standing there 
And I wouldn't want anyone in here to stand there. And I already admitted, we, none of us deserve heaven. All of us deserve to stand there. But the reality of the Gospel is no one has to stand there. So if you're counting on your name written in the book based on your efforts or works or religion or lack of some great sin, you're going to be shocked because none of those things will ever get your name in that book. Number two, I'm going to presume that many will be shocked that they can't find a way out of it. There's going to be, in this line of people standing before this great white throne, there's going to be people that are shocked that they're there. But then there's also going to be people that are shocked that they can't figure a way to maneuver out of it. Figure an escape. The long line of people as they watch. And imagine yourself to be back on that line and you watching, and the first guy up there, he stands before God and whether the dialogue is able to be heard or not, his name's not there, he's cast into hell. The second guy, same scenario, cast into hell. Third guy, fourth guy, fifth guy, sixth guy. And you're starting to think, wait a second, the odds are not being stacked in my favor. This is, this is a difficult thing. But surely there'll be a way for me to get out of this. Surely I'll, I'll be the exception to the rule. Surely I'll be able to figure it out. And perhaps we begin to rationalize that the person in front of me deserves it and the person in front of them deserves it, but I don't. Some years ago, it was probably, I don't know, six or seven years ago, I received one of those red light tickets in the mail. And of course, they tell you to click on the video, and I clicked on the video to watch it. And as I watched the video, I mean, I was, here was the white line, and it was right on red, and it turned red like right here. Like my bumper was just over the red line. So I thought, I'm going to court. I'm going to win this because I am right. And on that day in court, I remember going to Centralized Sub Courthouse, and I'm thinking, I'm, I don't care. I'm winning this because it is not clear that I went through the light. My bumper seems to be over that. And the light went from green, yellow, red. I mean, literally, there was like, it just turned green, and there was no yellow light, and it was red. So I was like, I got all these, I got evidence, I got it. The, look at the video, it's not clear that I should, I'm going to win this. And there were probably about 80 people in the courtroom that day. And I was like number 50 on the list. And I watched, and one through ten, not one of them was found not guilty. Everyone, guilty, 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 guilty. Eleven through twenty, guilty, 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 guilty. Twenty through thirty, guilty, 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 guilty. And I'm thinking, not one person in here? Not one? And there were, there were people that hired lawyers, and they were arguing with their law-like ability. There were old ladies pleading ignorance. I didn't see the sign. I can't read. There were, there were deniers. One guy said, that's not me in the car. They said, is that your car? He said, well, I have one like that. Is that your license plate? Well, yeah, but that's not my car. There were all kinds of different arguments and excuses. There were young people who thought they could charm their way out of it, pretty girls who thought they were going to beautify their way out of it. Guys who thought they were going to swab their way out of it. And yet not one. And as my number approached, I was sure I was going to be the first one in the whole court who was innocent. I had proof and my, my time finally came up and I went up there and I presented my case. And I was fully sure I was going to win. Even the judge said, yeah, or the prosecuting attorney said, yeah, it's not clear. I was like, there we go. <clears throat> and then the judge said, Guilty. And I thought, what do you mean guilty? Let's do that again. You forgot, you forgot a word in that sentence. Not. Say it again. Not guilty. He said, nope, guilty. And I remember walking both mad, sad, heartbroken, confused. I remember all those emotions. Now the worst thing was $80. unless I wanted to go to Brooklyn and appeal it. But in order to appeal it, I had to pay $50 for the court transcript and then go into Brooklyn and still be said guilty. And that would be more than $100 now. And I was like, I'm sure I, I should have gotten out of this, but I didn't. 
I had some light humor to that, but the reality is there's going to be a lot of people that are on that line that think, well, I'm rich. I, 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 I'm certainly going to be able to pay my way out of this. Or I've given enough money. Certainly that will account for something, right? And I, I'm sure there's going to be lawyers and debaters who think that they can articulate some logical fallacy in here and say, no, I'm going to convince the judge to declare me not guilty based on my rhetoric, on my argumentation, on my word usage. I'm sure there's going to be personalities trying to persuade and using charisma to weasel the way out of it. And one by one, none of them will find a way to escape. Because there is no way to escape. When this great white throne judgment comes, there is no other chance. You know when your other chance is? Now. Now is the other chance. Now is it. And because we don't know when we're going to die, and, and, and our life is but a vapor, and it could be at any moment, you don't play the gamble game and say, well, i got plenty of time. Maybe you do. Maybe you don't. I have no idea. But your chance is now. When this comes, there is no other chance. And there is no argument out of it. And there's no money to pay out of it. It's over. No loophole. No argument. No amount of money. No bartering. No reasoning is going to get anyone out of this. One by one, those on this line will go up to give an account and they will be, present lots of excuses, but not one will be able to escape the judgment. Number three, I presume that many will be shocked because the penalty is forever. I presume many will be shocked that the penalty is forever. Look at verse number 10. We didn't read this, but I want you to see this. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire. By the way, the devil does not run or rule or reign in the lake of fire. He's cast in the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and false prophet are. Those are the um, ones of the tribulation time. And shall be tormented day and night, look at that next word, forever and ever. So by the way, the devil will be tormented day and night forever and ever. He's not ruling with a pitchfork and a crown and tormenting people. No, he himself is going to be tortured and tormented. But this lake of fire, we find, is a fiery hell of forever and ever torment. And if you look at verse number 15, in the same context, whosoever is not found written in the book of life is cast into that same lake of fire. And I'm sure that there's going to be many in that day who realize, wait a second, it's not $80, it's not a small penalty, it's not a short-lived thing, it's not this fake purgatory. By the way, purgatory is fake. Purgatory was derived from Dante's Inferno, which was a fictitious book in the Middle Ages. To purge off your sins, it's not in the Bible. There is no purgatory, there is no way out of hell. Luke 16, we went over this a few weeks ago on Thursday night. The rich man looked for a way to cross over Either Lazarus come over or he'd go over there and there was no way out. And the punishment, the punishment is forever. That means there's not a stoppage or a pause or a relief ever. Not, not a hundred year sentence. Not not. I mean, you ever see some of these criminals, they get 13 life sentences. As if, like, what does that mean? It's longer than that. And it grieves my heart, and it makes me almost have a panic attack to even think about. It makes me like... <gasps> but it sobers me up to think, what matters? Perhaps there are some that may consider, well, my hell will be shorter than others because somehow my sins are not as great as others. But it doesn't work like that. The Bible says in James 2.10, For whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he's guilty of all. You break one law, you're a lawbreaker. A lawbreaker goes to hell. Friend, the longest you will ever experience in this life is maybe just over 100 years. And that literally is just a drop in the bucket compared to eternity.
Some years ago, one of the um, a young man that I was kind of counseling with, talking with, he kept missing his court date. One after another, after another, after another, because he was trying to avoid it. He thought, if I avoid it, it won't happen. The court didn't like that. And if you keep avoiding it, then they find you, and they put you in jail. And this is one point, though, the appointment, rather, that you'll want to miss, one court date you'll hope to avoid, and you won't be able to find anywhere to hide, anywhere to avoid, and the longevity of it is never shortened. One of the most sobering and frightening verses in the Bible, in my opinion, is Matthew 7.21. I'll read that for you. The Bible says, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, what day? This day that we're talking about. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works. And then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. There is an example of people that are shocked, that are standing before God and say, no, 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 God, not me. You know me. Come on, you know me. I prophesy in your name. I preach in your name. I've done good works in your name. I've done it. And Jesus says, I never knew you. Like I said, there's going to be many that are shocked. Why am I here? Why can't I get out of it? Where is mercy? Why does it have to be so long? And again, I ask you, is your name written down in the Lamb's Book of Life? You say, I don't know. I I hope so. I'm not sure. Let me give you some things today. The good news. You know the word gospel means good news? What I've been giving you so far is all bad news. It's scary news. And I'm not here to to manipulate you through fear. I'm here to give you an authentic warning. If I told you, don't touch the stove or don't go near the fire pit, you'll get burned, that's not me fear-mongering you. That's me warning you of the reality of the situation. This is a Bible warning, not manipulation through fear. The reality is, if your name's not written there, and I'm not telling you if it is or isn't, I'm just telling you if the name's not there, you're not going into heaven. But I want to tell you the good news now, because the gospel means good news. The bad news is we deserve hell. The bad news is if our name's not written in the book of life, we're, we're, we're headed to hell, lake of fire. But here's the good news. How to have my name written in the book of life. I'm going to give you some concepts of it. Number one, it's free. No charge. No strings attached. Free because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. He died in our place. He died for my sins. He took on my penalty that I never would have to pay for my penalty, my sin in eternity. So if I were to go to God and God say, why should I let you into heaven? Not because I'm good or not because I don't have sin, not because I don't deserve hell. My answer is because it's already been paid for by Jesus. I have no sin debt, though I'm still a sinner. And it was free to me, not to Christ. He paid with His life, His shed blood. But for me, through the grace of God in Christ, I get to be forgiven. So someone might ask, how, how many days of church do I have to go to get to heaven? None. How much money do I have to put in a plate? None. How many good deeds do I have to make? How many prayers do I have to say? None. Because it's free. Those are all earnings. Those are all you doing. Those things can't. And many miss heaven because they try to earn it. You can't earn it. It's free. And it's been offered to you based on God's love for you despite your sinfulness and on Christ's death not on your efforts or your actions. So it's free, and you can't earn it. 
Christ paid for it already. Guess what? Here's some other good news. It too is eternal. Eternal mercy for our eternal guilt. Because when your name is written out book of life, I don't have to say, but what about this sin? Eternal mercy for my eternal guilt. He took all the shame. He took all my sin. See, we belong in hell forever. We belong in line with the people. We belong with our name not in the book of life, but because of Christ. So here's what you do. The Bible says, what must I do to be saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. But believe is not just a mental affirming. I believe. It's believe, it's, some say it like this, the difference between believing on and believing in. So I'll say it like this. I see Christ as not only a reality, but as God who died for my sins because I am a sinner who deserves to go to hell. And I trust in His finished work, what He did on the cross. And Jesus Christ, please save me from my sins. I trust that it was enough. Your blood was enough. And I want you as my Savior. Please forgive me of my sins and save me. You paid it. It's freely offered to me. I can't earn it. I don't deserve it. I'm calling out to you to save me, Lord. Because I believe it. When that happens when you authentically put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, your name becomes sealed. And you won't be able to lose it. And then the Holy Spirit lives inside of you to make you a new creature. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. It's the beginning of your new life in Christ. That's where the term born again is associated with. I'm born again in Christ. There's going to be many that are shocked in that day. And many that are scared. And many that are afraid. And the terrors and the screams of the many are going to cry out. But none of us have to go there. So you got this choice today. It's up to you. You either believe the Bible or you don't. If you believe the Bible, then you believe what I've said in the verses of the Bible. That you need to be saved or you've already been saved. Or you can say, I don't believe any of this. And I don't mean this disrespectfully. But if that's the way you continue until death, then don't be shocked when your name's not written in the book of life. Why would you not cry out on Christ? Why would you not believe? What would hold you back? Maybe there's still some in here that are holding on to legalism. They're holding on to trusting in my, my efforts to keep the law. You can't keep it, friend. Stop. It's Jesus who fulfilled it. And died because you broke it. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That can be you. I love the song we sing. There's a new name written down in heaven. And it's mine. Oh yes, it's mine. It's a song about when a person, a sinner first gets saved. He says, a new name written down. And it's mine. Oh yes, it's mine. That's my prayer for you today. That's my prayer for the world today. Now if you're here and you say, I know I'm on my way to heaven, my name's written down. Then you should have the same prayer I have for the rest of the world. Let's go. What are we waiting for? Unless you could care less about everybody else out there. It is an urgent message and so I preach it urgently. 
It is a scary message, so it preaches scary. But it is a true message in the Word of God. Let's bow our heads. Let's close our eyes. I know that in today's world, this is not the message people want to hear at church. But how can I be a faithful preacher of the Bible and never preach on this? Don't I love you guys enough to share the reality? And it doesn't have to be bad news. It can be wonderful news when we receive it. Jesus said this as one of his last words, Go ye therefore and preach the gospel to all the world. He, he, he said it. We just repeat it. But are we doing it? With everyone's head bowed, eyes closed, no one looking around. No one's looking. It's just between you, me, and God. I want to pray for you today. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to make you do anything you don't want to do. But I do want to pray for you. How many people here would say, Pastor Jason, I'm worried that my name is not going to be written in the book of life. I'm not sure if I'm going to heaven when I die. Would you please pray for me? Would you quietly raise your hand if that's you today? I'm, just, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm concerned. My name might not be written there. Please pray for me. Would you raise your hand? I see your hand. God bless you. And your hand, God bless you. Anyone else? I'm not sure. I'm on my way. I'm not sure it's written. Please pray for me. I'm worried about it. Let me ask this second question. It's related. How many people here often struggle with their assurance of salvation they know they got saved but they often struggle feeling saved or they often struggle am i really saved did i do it enough and sometimes you struggle with the need of assurance would you raise your hand i could pray for you about that all right lots of hands there sure sure praise god praise god now once we're saved we're once and for all but man that assurance sometimes escapes us from for emotions or Sometimes in our, in our own defiance to God, we feel separated from God, and so it makes us feel unsafe, or the accuser of the brethren, the devil comes. But praise God for that. You know, you can always just pray, God, give me that assurance. I trust you. Give me that confidence based on the promises of the Word of God that I am saved. Or maybe God would point out, no, no, you're trusting in something other than Him. How many people here would say, Pastor Jason, my heart's been stirred for souls again. And I am stirred up to want to reach people. That's how God used this message today in my life. Would you raise your hand if God stirred you up again for souls? Many hands. We all have our own little sphere of people that God allows us to see and be around and gives us opportunity to preach to or speak to or converse with. And it may be unique to anyone else. Let's take these opportunities. And when the Lord prompts and the opportunity is there, not shoving down people's throat, but when the opportunity is there, let's share the gospel. Let's share the good news of Christ. Let's point them in that direction. Let's stand to our, our feet, head bowed, eyes closed, no looking around. The piano will play. If you want to come pray about something, you want to come talk to somebody about salvation, you come see me, you want to pray for assurance, you want to pray for souls, you want to pray for some other thing in your life, as the piano plays, just come. Just come. Maybe you just want to pray for a revival in this country. And that starts with the gospel. It does not start with cultural morality. Many have come. You wouldn't be alone if you want to come talk to God about something. By all means. Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sins of the world. And when we're washed in the blood of the Lamb, we are born again. 
Hell is a scary place. It is a ferocious place. When I say hell, I mean the entirety of it, the lake of fire and all of it. The Bible also says this, if the gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. We need, we, if we have the gospel and they don't, wh- whose responsibility is it? Ours. Why do we waste it? Well, they won't like, I know, I know they're not going to like it. I know they're not going to, you know, pat you on the back all the time. But it's not for that. If it was for that, we wouldn't do it. It's to glorify God and it's to reach the lost. It's to give people good news in a lost and dying world. Maybe you knew all about the lake of fire before, maybe you didn't. But it's to stir us up and say, this is the reality, this is the end outcome. What are we going to do about it now? We're not looking back and saying, you know, I look at my past and I say, what am I going to do about it? Nothing I can do about it, it's done. All the horrible things that I can't undo it. But things in the future, oh yeah, we can be different. We can, it can change us. My prayer is that this changes us as individuals, as a church, as a community. It's why we have the, the barbecue. It's why we have VBS. It's why we, it's why we uh, are going to have a personal evangelism class on Sunday nights. It's why we want to give opportunities to share the gospel and tracts and street preach. It's why we want to support missions. It's, it's why we want to share in the workplace. Because only Christ can save. And not everyone knows that. And if they don't know it, their name won't be written in the book of life. And they'll face this. Father, we cry out to you, Lord. We know as a whole we've been unfaithful. We haven't had the urgency we ought to. And Lord, I don't know if even after this we'll have the urgency we we need. Lord, I I know we're fleshly and we're we're so self-centered at times. But Father, thank you for the mercy and grace and the opportunity and the reminder to be able to share. Lord, you know the hearts. You saw the hands. But more than the hands, you saw the hearts. You know who's saved and who's not. You know who struggles with assurance. Father, you know who's been stirred up. Lord, I pray that we'd be responsive to this Bible message. Not the sermon, but the Bible message. This is the outcome. This is the reality. This is what's to come at the great white throne judgment. What will we do about it? So, Father, I pray you'd call some to missions. I pray you'd call some to ministry. I pray you'd call some to be soul winners and evangelists in our midst, people who will share the gospel locally, those that will go abroad, those that will just be shining lights within the local church. Not for our namesake, not for number roll, but, Father, for the gospel and for your namesake. Lord, I pray you bless the food that we will have in a little while, the fellowship, tonight's service. And Father, we love you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.